Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. You know, sometimes I think the devil works overtime continuing, and trying to convince God's people and others that God doesn't love you. You've been too bad. You've not done the right things. Your life is a mess. But all of those are lies of the devil. We do fail God. And sometimes our lives are a mess. But it doesn't matter where we are. Like the prodigal's father. He was sitting on that front porch waiting for his wayward son to come home. God loves us today. God loves you today. You can't be too bad. That won't allow God to love you. And if there's anything I want you to take from this morning service is that God loves you. Sing it one more time. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me, my God. Sing it out. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you. want to say welcome to you this morning. My name is Christy. I am one of the uh, youth leaders here at Bethel. If you're joining us online, we want to say hello. Um, we are glad that you are with us this morning as well. We do have a couple different announcements, three to be specific, and they're all really important. So we want to make sure that you hear all of these. The first one is that we will not Wednesday night services this week. Um, some of us will be headed to Chicago this week uh, for the fellowship conference, and we're very excited about that. 
that. Um, so we will not have Wednesday night services this week. On July 14th, uh, which is this Thursday, uh, we will be having Love Life Ministry training. So if you are interested in what's going on now uh, with in general, right, with helping women who are pregnant, then you can see Larry in the back. He will help to get you started with that. And I hate that I'm going to be out of town for that because I'd like to be a part of it. <laughs> and then July 17th through the 22nd, we are so excited. Our kids are going to be going to camp. And when I say kids, I mean our 7th through um, right about that college age will be going to camp with a couple other churches in the area, including um, Bethel and Goldsboro. We are very excited to have a week of just getting them outside, getting them to enjoy one another and the company, and also getting in the Word and having that really immersive experience experience together with other kids their age who also are just seeking the Lord. Um, in order to have them go, it does cost about $250 per child. And we know that that is difficult for a lot of parents to be able to meet. So if you are someone who feels the tug of the Lord on your heart to say, you know what, $250 is something that I can do, or even if it's $100 or $50 to help to sponsor a kid to go to camp, would you do that this morning? Would you let me or Michael know, or would you give just a check or, or cash um, later at the end of the service in an offering plate? Or you can also give online and designate that money um, toward youth camp, and we will get it to the right spot. We are so excited about that coming up on July 17th through the 22nd. Look upon your countenance. 
awesome in this place, mighty God. You're awesome, awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. Stand and sing that wonderful song and tell him, You're awesome in this place, mighty God. Mighty God, you're awesome in this place. Ever about it. can only bow down and sing. Sing it out. You're awesome, Lord. Father, we thank you because your presence is here. That means the fire of the Holy Spirit is in this place. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, because there's healing here. There's salvation here. There's deliverance here. No matter what we need, no matter where we are in our walk in life, God, you're, you're here to bless, and we thank you for that, and we praise you for that. Pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank you for being here today. It's a wonderful, wonderful weather day to be out. Let me say it again. It's a wonderful, wonderful weather. Now, some may be holy rollers here in the church. I don't know. Looked out the window and saw all the rain and the cloud and rolled over and went back to sleep. I, I don't know. But when I think about the drought that's out in California and the drought that's out on the West Coast, I can't help but stop and say, Father, thank you for the wonderful rain. Amen. Again, thank you for being here. Now, uh, we'll be leaving tomorrow. There's about three couples leaving the church and going to Chicago. Chicago. Uh, it is going to be a conference for the full gospel fellowship of churches and ministers inter international, short, the fellowship network. And we're so glad to be part of the fellowship. Back in the late 50s and the early 60s, there were many, many pastors and churches that did not belong to a denomination, whether it was the Pentecostal Holiness, the Church of God, the Church of God of Prophecy, Baptist, Methodist, Pur they didn't belong to any of those uh, church uh, denominations. So Gordon Lindsay, along with other great ministers of the Lord, got together and formed what is called the Fellowship Network. Churches and ministers could join that, that and be part of a team, not feeling so isolated. And so I think it was about in 1962 that the Fellowship Network was established. And uh, my wife's uh, father was one of the original persons of individuals in this fellowship. And it has been a blessing since 1962. I have been a member of the fellowship since 1965. And I have been on the executive board now for about 36 years. And I have enjoyed the ride. It's been a great ride, but it's a, a great fellowship. It connects uh, churches from all over the world, not just here in America. And so um, the members will be coming together in Chicago at the Hyatt, I think it is. And we're looking forward to that. And uh, so you pray and believe the Lord will be back. We will come back uh, the latter part of the week, but if you will. Would you please pray for the fellowship? The fellowship has been a great blessing. I could take up time and tell you all the great things about the fellowship, but we're going to move right along. Uh, Guy Heath. Guy Heath was, well, he preached for us about 35 years ago, Guy Heath. He's now pastoring a church in... Uh, I think it's in Alabama, and he's written quite a few songs, and this is a song he wrote. Uh, I won't sing it, but I'll, I'm going to read it. 
It says, if you haven't heard the story about the farmer and the mule, I've got something to tell. When the farmer went to town, the mule walked around and fell into the well. When he came back from town, the farmer looked down. Then he said, my choices are few. I've got to fill in the well and cover up the mule. There's nothing else to do. Shovel after shovel of barnyard dirt started falling on the back of the mule. It didn't, it didn't take long for him to learn his lesson. The well became a school. You can't stop them from shoveling dirt, but there's something that you can do. You got to set your mind to leave the dirt behind. There's a way out for you. In this world, there's a whole lot of dirt and a whole lot of shoveling too. You may find yourself at the bottom of the well, so no way out for you. You can't control the dirt they throw. Some people are just so rude. But you can change your circumstances by changing your attitude. The course goes like this. Shake it off. Shake it off. Up, step up a little higher if you want to get out of the well. If you don't quit now and get a new desire, soon you'll have a story to tell. All the dirt they throw is going to help you climb right out of hell. Shake it off. Step up a little higher if you want to get out of the well. Isn't that a great little story? And uh, he heard that many years ago. And he sat down and wrote the words to a song. If you listen carefully to the songs that we sung this morning, you would think that uh, Matt Fisher and Don Westbrook got together for this morning's sermon, but we did not. He did not know what I was going to preach. I did not know what he was going to sing. And I'm asking him if he'll sing that song again, Let the Fire Fall. Because the sermon goes right along with that. We're on the topic uh, series on symbols of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're here today and you do not have a copy, an outline of the sermon, uh, please raise your hand. We want everyone, okay? We need some help here. And he is, they're going to get those. Thank you guys for doing that. They're going to get, I want you to have one. It's a good outline. It's just a great outline. But what we have been on, as I said, the symbols of the Holy uh, Spirit. First of all, we started with rain. That's a, lift your hands up again. First of all, we started with rain. And, of course, that is a message on refreshing and certainly God's blessing. And then the next uh, symbol was the river. River of the Holy Spirit, which course makes us think of certainly God's healing and God's restoration. My favorite so far has been the wind, a tight and reminds us of the Holy Spirit. It, uh, it tells us of the power of the Holy Spirit, the force of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing of God. So all these symbols that the Bible uses throughout the Old and the New Testament 
represents. And we'll talk some more uh, about these symbols, symbols because it's very important that we understand. Someone says, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. You're talking about a, a spirit? How do you understand a spirit? Well, God allowed us to have these symbols to get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. Let me read my text this morning, if you will. It's, uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Indeed, I indeed, John the Baptist said, baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And the Amplifieds there said, even as a slave, I'm not worthy to carry its sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? And fire. And fire. Now, someone said that fire either purifies or destroys. Keep that in mind because fire represents purifying, but it also represents uh, the judgment of God. I love the story and the character of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came on the scene like a whirlwind. John the Baptist. He came out preaching. What was he preaching? Something you don't hear much today. Repentance. Turn from your wicked ways. In fact, some of the religious leaders came out. He baptized them in water was baptizing people in water. But the religious came out with all their luggage of sin that they were carrying. And John said, wait a minute. you got to repent, get rid of sin before you're baptized in water. But the Bible says that many came out to see him. He was very, very popular. He was more popular than, than the Beatles were. Were you know they came out from Jerusalem and Judea by the thousands and thousands and thousands. I imagine they could fill up any kind of stadium today. So John the Baptist was a very popular man, and yet he was preaching repentance. He was preaching get right with God. But then one day he was preaching, and all of a sudden he looked over the horizon, and he saw someone coming. And he made this statement. He said, behold. Now, if you're going to say behold, you should have something to say behold about. I mean, we just don't walk around and say, behold, behold. behold. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Wow. Wow. Now, someone said that they were cousins, Jesus and John. I don't know, but they probably were. They knew each other. But as he looked that day, it's time to introduce the world to this man, Jesus. John the Baptist, of course, he wound up with his head cut off because of his preaching. John the Baptist was willing to espouse a, na uh, a nation to its lover. And then he stepped aside. He didn't care about popularity. But he said, this man, Jesus, shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And that's real, folks, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or either the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same. 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he didn't stop there. He said, and fire. And so throughout the scripture, hundreds of times it's mentioned, the fire, the fire, the fire. Old Testament, New Testament. The New Testament uses several unique images to represent the person and work of the Holy Spirit. One image shows the Holy Spirit as fire on Pentecost, and I love this, following the sound of rushing wind filling the house where the apostles were staying, what appeared to be tongues of flame rested on them, each of them. So at the birth of the church, Pentecost was the birth of the church. At the birth of the church, the fire of the Lord visited, visited those 120 people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and their lives were changed forever. Listen, when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are different. We act different, we walk different, we live a different life because God Almighty gives you power and strength to live that Christian dedicated life. Fire is a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's notice in the Bible where it speaks of the fire. First of all, we have the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1 and 2, most of us or many of us know the story of Moses, how he was raised in Pharaoh's house, and yet he finds himself alone, tending sheep on the backside of the desert. And he sees a bush burning. Well, that was not so unusual because the heat of the desert would ignite bushes back then. It wasn't unusual to see a bush burning but the Bible says that the bush burned continually. It never went out. So Moses tended his sheep. He said, I'm going to go by and see what this great marvelous miracle is. And so he gets close to the burning bush. And the voice of God speaks to Moses. And he said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. So we have the burning bush representing, of course, the presence of and spirit of the Lord. I love the story in Exodus when uh, Moses had led the children of Israel out of bondage and they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh's army was drowned and destroyed. But the Bible speaks in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of what? Fire a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go, day, to go by day and night. So not only the burning bush, but the pillar of fire in the wilderness, fire gave Israel hope because as long as the fire was burning, Israel had hope. Then we have the consuming fire of Mount Carmel. It would take me hours to tell the story of how Elijah challenged the, the false prophets of Baal and how that on Mount Carmel, he prayed this prayer. Listen to the prayer. i got to read the prayer. 
It's just a great prayer that Elijah prayed. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. God wants us to do that. Do the things that God tells us. Do the things his word speaks to us to do. Here's what he said. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That the people may know that you are the God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire, listen to this. Then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. The fire came down on that altar, that, that sacrifice that they had prepared. It, listen to what it burned. It burned the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. What a powerful, that's the kind of fire we need today in the church. We've got a whole lot of stuff that needs burning out. We've got a whole lot of stuff that needs burning up. It might be, uh, it, it might be a spirit of lying. It may be uh, immorality in some of our lives. We need to let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn. So we have the consuming fire of Mount Carmel. Then we have the burning coal that purified the lips of Isaiah the prophet. This is over the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah. He'd already, I mean, all these verses and these chapters. But Isaiah was in the church, sitting in the church or in the church about like we're sitting in the, called the temple. Isaiah was in the temple. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 6, verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim's angels flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Elijah, in church, in the temple, felt like he was a man of unclean lips, yet God allowed this seraphim to go to the altar, take the coals, touch his lips, and he was cleansed. How many of you know that the church needs a cleansing today? God in heaven, the church needs a cleansing. So we have the burning bush, the pillar of fire in the wilderness, the consuming fire of Mount Carmel, the burning coal that purified the lips of Isaiah, and then we have the tongues that I just read to you of fire, or just spoke to you of fire, certainly at Pentecost. And that was found in Acts chapter 2, and I love this scripture. Listen at it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Let me say that again. That's not a car that they were in. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of what? Fire and one sat on each one of them. No matter, somebody said it was 120, there are about that many. Each one of them, the fire sat on each one of them, or the, 
tongues did. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do what? Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them other utterance. Say hallelujah. That was a birth of the church. So the fire of the Lord is mentioned over and over and over again. Let me tell you what it signifies. Let me tell you this, this morning. Fire symbolizes the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's action. First of all, God's holy presence. When Moses saw the burning bush, that meant that God's presence was out in the desert. You don't have to be in church for God to bless you. You can be in the automobile. You can be at work. You can be at home. No matter, God's Holy Spirit will be there if you certainly will allow him. God's holy presence, not only God's presence, but God's power, God's glory, and certainly God's strength. You know the Bible says in, 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 in the New Testament, it says don't quench the fire. Don't quench the fire. You can take fire that's burning in a holder and you can put something over it. What happens? It snuffs it out. And God is telling you and I, let's not snuff out the spirit and the power of God. Let's not allow pride. Let's not allow the enemy to snuff out that fire. Let it burn with fervency. Let it burn. Then we find also the purification and cleansing action of the Holy Spirit. I love uh, the prophet Jeremiah. He was a young man and he said, God called him to preach. There's a book in the Bible named Jeremiah itself. And God called him to preach. Well, Jeremiah was uh, scorned. He was a reproach to the people because he was preaching against their sin, against their disobedience, against their immorality. And so he became a reproach to the people. They criticized him. He was a young man and he just couldn't take it. Notice what this young man says in Jeremiah 20 and 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. You ever felt that way at work, in the break room? Ever felt that way uh, when you were at the grocery store or filling station? You ever felt that way when you got around someone and yet you, you felt like telling them about Jesus Christ and, and all of a sudden the devil said, don't do that. All of a sudden uh, people didn't treat you right because of that. You said, well, I just won't speak no more in Jesus' name. I'll just keep it to myself. I won't testify. I won't witness anymore for Jesus. But notice the rest of this. But his word was in my heart like what? A burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I love this. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I just couldn't do it no more. So when the devil tells you to shut up, when the devil stop, tries to stop you from witnessing for the Lord, let that fire begin to burn and let at the time that Jesus speaks to you and gives you direction what to say. I've told you the story of Norman Canada where I worked with 55 years ago. I told you the story of how he hated me. 
I, he told me one day we were in the store by ourselves working and putting uh, merchandise on the shelves. He looked at me one day. He said, I'll take you back to the break room and I'll mop up the floor with you. He could have done it too. When I quit work, I hadn't seen Norman about 10 years. He didn't want me telling about Jesus Christ. He didn't want, and I, I, but I, I kept telling. I kept telling him, kept witnessing to Norman and others. Then I got a call. And it was, it was Norman Canada. He said, Don, and I've been preaching about and pastoring for several years. He said, Don, I'm dying with cancer. Could you come and visit with me? I said, Norman, I'll be glad to. And I went and sat next to him in his bed. He was weak, but he looked at me. He said, I've got a request I want to make of you. I said, what is it, Norman? He said, I want you to preach my funeral. Be like Jeremiah. This thing is shut up in my bones. There will be fruit. There will be testimonies. It may not be Norman Canada, but it'll be someone that you've witnessed to that you thought, well, he or she didn't receive me and I'm not going to say anymore. Let that fire burn. Let it move you. Let it challenge you to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Several years after I preached his funeral, I was in the fellowship hall. We didn't have it. It was before 1997. We didn't have this sanctuary, but I was in the fellowship hall working. And a young man came in the door, and I stopped, and he came up to me. He said, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I don't. I forget what he said his first name was. He said, I'm Norman Canada's son. I've been studying to preach the gospel. And I'm telling people about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, you don't know what will come out of your witnessing and your testimony. And allowing, listen to this. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, it fell on a bunch of timid, backwards Weak, frightened disciples. But after that fire came, they spoke with boldness and told about Jesus Christ. Most of them, most of them gave their life for Jesus Christ. Let God give you that boldness. The bottled up word of God was like a fire inside of him and he could not hold it in. I got, I got saved at nine years old. I went home as fast as I could in the car with whoever was driving. Granddaddy run an old filling station upstairs was where they lived and grandmama and then was upstairs and I remember at nine years old, I got out of the car, ran into the filling station and I ran upstairs because I had to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I I thought the whole world was going to get saved. Man, it was burning in me. And I trusted it. When I, I read something here that someone wrote, it's a sad poem of Lord Byron who wrote in anguish of his spiritual decay. Maybe you were like that when you got saved. You were excited about it. You wanted to tell somebody about it. Listen to what he wrote. I am ashes, for once I was fire, 
and the soul of my bosom is dead. What I loved I now merely admire, and my heart is as gray as my head. Have we lost the fire? Have we lost that drive? Have we lost that passion? Here's another unknown poet wrote. Give us a militant spirit, Lord. Come set our spirit on fire. Give us a passion to share thy word. Give us consuming desire. Give us a flaming and burning zeal. Moving us forward on own. Help us the urgency, Lord, to feel to greater victory is one. How about it, folks? I'm asking God to rekindle the fire in our soul. Fill our hearts, Lord, with your love. Lord, I've lost my first love. Fill our hearts, Lord, with that love once again. Feel it once again. Look at fire in the Old Testament. I've got to hurry. Fire in the Old Testament sacrifices. Fire was important in the Old Testament. Look at Roman numeral number three with me. The fire on the altar of burnt offering was a divine gift. How do I know it was a divine gift? Look at Leviticus 9.24. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. What a revelation of God's glory. They had the altar prepared. They put the sacrifice on the altar, but they didn't light it. They didn't light it. Listen, if you try to light the fire, it's not going to work. If you try to witness on your own, it won't work. If you try to tell somebody about Jesus without the anointing, without the Spirit, without God's leadership, it won't work. God Almighty supernaturally lit the fire on the altar. God supernaturally light the fire in my soul. God light the fire in my soul. The fire originally came from the Lord. You know that fire, listen to this. This was in the wilderness. Listen to this. This is important. The fire that was in the wilderness lit. Notice what he says in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 10. No, I'm sorry. Verse 13 of chapter 6. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall not go out. That fire that was ignited in you when you accepted Christ, that fire that was ignited in you in that revival that we, we just sung about, that fire, young people. Listen, so many, they're going to go to youth camp. So many people, young people, were blessed and saved. And the fire of the Lord was ignited in their hearts. That fire, God is saying today, it shall not go out. God, God help me. They say that that fire stayed lit until Solomon's temple was built. They carried that fire throughout those 40 years in that wilderness in a special vessel. 
Is your vessel special? Have you kept the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in you? That fire was never to go out. And you know who was to keep it lit? The priest. They were charged. That one time sovereign act of God lighting that fire did not happen again until Solomon built the temple and then it happened again in the temple of Solomon. Don't let it go out, please. God charged the priest with keeping his fire. Look at verse 13. A fire shall always be, just read it, be burning on the altar. God made it clear that fire from other sources were, was unacceptable. Now, I, I've got time for this. Stay with me. Don't go to sleep. I know it's cloudy and, you know, and rainy. But stay awake. This is important. Listen to this. Listen to this. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. The sons, the two sons, of the priest. They took strange fire. They took, they didn't take the fire. Listen to this. They didn't take the fire off the altar. They used the fire from somewhere else. They, oh, this is just as good. Let me tell you, there's nothing to ignite, ignite the fire in your soul like the fire of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, I'll go to Disney World and get my fire lit. That won't light your fire. Oh, I'll do so and so, and that'll light my fire. That won't light your fire. You let the fire of the Holy Spirit come in you, and it will be there as long as you keep it lit. What keeps it lit? The Word of God. What keeps it lit? Praying before the Lord. What keeps it lit? Going to church. What keeps it lit? Passion for loss, the loss. It keeps the fire of the Holy Spirit available. Now, I'm closing. Look at number four. The moral effects, the benefits of the fire. What are you talking about the fire? What's the, what are the benefits? First of all, melting. How many of you know, you know you can take fire to melt that ice, it'll melt whatever. Some of us need to let the fire melt the old ice in us. Almost icicles hanging from the ceiling sometimes in the church. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to melt us. Icy coldness. Are you cold? Hard indifference. Are you indifferent? Stubborn self-will. You know, I shouldn't have read that one. I'm sorry. Self-will. I should, I should have left that one out. Impenitence. Failing to repent for God, before God. All these are softened by the fire of God when it really enters the soul. It melts. Nebuchadnezzar had a hard heart. It melted it. The fire of the Holy Spirit melted that heart. Paul, Saul, 
which became Paul the, the apostle. He had a hard heart. He'd go and wipe out the Christians, have them killed, put in prison. He had a hard heart, but he got knocked, knocked off of his horse and the Holy Spirit came and melted his heart. And he was just as tender. Listen, let God melt it. Number two, care for ho-hum Christianity. I don't know. Go to that ho-hum. You go to a ho-hum church. I hope Bethel's not a ho-hum church. Amen? Let me say it again. I hope Bethel's not a ho-hum church. How's the service? Oh, it's all right. How's the preaching? Oh, it was okay. Where are you going? Get me some chicken. I'm going to go eat a good dinner. How was the church? Oh, you tell you. I don't want a whole hum church. I want a church on fire. I think every one of us should set ourselves on fire by the Holy Ghost and people will fill this place up to see what's going on. It's a good place to clap. Somebody start to clap. That's a good place to clap. Come on, give me a clap. Give, I, I deserve it. One good clap for this preacher. <laughs> And then, then last, it's consuming. It destroys everything in us that is destructible. It takes us. It takes the bitterness, the drugs, the alcohol, the immoral sex. It takes all the things that makes us bad. And the Holy Spirit comes in. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? All sin. And then the Spirit comes in. And it's consuming all that is false. All that is selfish. All that is sensual. All that is of the earth earthy. Listen to this. The dross is consumed that the precious gold may come forth in all its beauty and its purity. Notice that highlighted line I have at the bottom. Notice it. The fire of the Holy Spirit brings God's presence. The fire of the Holy Spirit brings God's passion. And the fire of the Holy Spirit brings God's purity. Father, we love you today. We bow our heads in this place today. We humble our hearts. We kneel, maybe not physically, but we kneel before you. And we thank you for your blessings. Lord, as the rain is falling on the outside this morning, let the fire of the Holy Ghost fall in this place today. Anoint us. Anoint us. Holy Spirit, anoint us. You know the first step in having the fire to fall is first of all to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Have you ever done that? If you're here this morning and you've not asked Christ to come into your heart, you say, Brother Don, I don't know all about that stuff. I don't know about all that religion. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. 
Christianity. <laughs> I probably wear you out talking about my sickness, but when the doctor looked at me and said, you've got three months to live, he showed all the parts on the inside, on the x-ray and the MRIs. He said, you've got cancer here. You got cancer here. You got cancer here. I turned away and walked to the window at Duke Hospital, and I just stood there. I just stood there amazed at hearing those words. And I went home, and for the first two nights, I didn't hardly sleep at all. I lay there turning and twisting and sweating. Fear gripped my life. The third night, I lay crying and I said, God, I got to have help. I kid you not, the presence of the Lord was manifested in that room. He reached down inside of me, took all the fear, all the anxiety. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And I went to sleep and I slept like a baby. That peace has not left me since. But you know what I had to have? I had to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I needed him on the inside. If you're here today, you need Christ on the inside. I want you to come if you don't know him. And I want you to come if you do and stand with us around the altar in just a moment. Can we sing that a little slow to start with, Brother, Brother Matt? Stand with us if you will. Think of these words. Pray them in your heart. Send your wind and your rain. Send your wind and your rain. On the wings of love. On your wings of love. Pour out from heaven your passion and presence. Bring down your burning desire. Now sing it slow. Revival fire. Sing it from your heart. Come on. Revival fire. Fullness here with the power of your spirit. Father, let revival fire. Let the flame consume us with hearts ablaze for Jesus. You know, I've got a bum knee. I got a cracked tibia. 
Is that what I got? A fractured tibia on my left knee. And I've got a torn ligament on my left knee. I got a big brace on it. Now, I find it uncomfortable to do certain things. Okay? Okay? You may be feel it's like it's uncomfortable to come and stand around. You may can't, but could you come and stand at the front pew and sit down if you can do that? I want a response from every person in this building today. Could I, is that too much to ask? Would you step out? We've got some great aisles. We've got a great altar space here. Sing it, Brother Matt. Everybody come and stand around the altar. Revival fire.
Amy Stanley, isn't that a beautiful sight to see this altar this filled up? Oh my, thank you for responding. Thank you so much. God's going to bless you today. God's going to, God has already blessed Nathan. He received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and God has wonderfully touched his life. I want to come and give him a hug. Come and give him a hug. Introduce yourself to Introduce yourself so you know who each other is. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where's, how old are you, Nathan? 18. I want, where's our youth pastor? Would you go down and give him a hug? <laughs> I like hugs. Thank you. Uh, and and, and uh, Michael, take that what she's waving it for me to remind me back there. Revival As we lift up your name, let your fire fall. This week, I want you to go around in your heart saying, Revival, fire, fall. When you get on your knees to pray, I want you to say, Father, let revival, fire, fall. And I would don't want just a flicker when you come back next Sunday. I want there to be a blaze, a prairie, prairie, not prairie, fire. I want it to be a well-lit fire. And I want it to burn out, burn out things that shouldn't be there. And I want conviction to be in this place next Sunday so strong. But I want you to pray this week, Holy Spirit, let the revival fire fall. I am honored to have my family with us today, my grandkids and, and Jeff and his, his folks. He's got the cutest little daughter. I'm telling you right now, she's a doll. She's a doll. Amen. But I feel before we go, we should pray for special needs. If you have a special need today, I want us to pray. We have some great prayer warriors here, great men and women that know how to pray a prayer of faith. And that's what we need. If you have a special need, just slip up that hand and uh, let's join. We're going to join.